If you've got a Bible, go to the book of John, John chapter 5, starting at verse 1, going to verse 9. I'll read it on the screen, and you can follow along with me as we go. Here we go. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in, there in, is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool. In Aramaic, it's called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lies a multitude of invalids, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your mat, your bed, and walk. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you don't have us to live a frustrated Christian life, but an overcoming Christian life. God, I'm praying for victory in places where maybe we've never seen victory before. I'm praying, God, that today would be a day where we step out of the place of the stuckness and into the place of walking with you. And everyone said, amen. Amen. This is one of my most favorite stories in the Bible. Um, Super interesting how Jesus walks into this place. Um, to this roof colonnade, and there is all these sick people. Bethesda, which is that place of the pool, actually means the house of mercy. And Bethesda was a two square, two square pools next to each other with a covered walkway all around. And people would gather there all around the pools. And if you notice, and actually the translation we had up there had it the same, that verse 4 in this passage isn't there in most Bible translations. And let me read it, because I I got it right here in my Bible. Actually, no, I don't. Oh, yeah, I do. Never mind. Verse 4, because if you look at your Bible, a lot of them go verse 3, verse 5. Well, where'd verse 4 go? Well, some translators had a trouble with it, and they didn't think that it was Bible, but I think they were wrong. I think it actually is Bible. And it said this in verse 4. It goes verse 3. I'll read verse 3 and then verse 4. In these pools lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. In verse 4, and an angel stirred the waters, resulting in healing for the first person getting into the pool. What? There is so much more that happens in the unseen world that we don't realize. And I think I can confirm that from a multi- for a bunch of different reasons. One, if you look at all of the supernatural shows that we have going on in the world, Everybody longs for something extraordinary, supernatural, beyond our senses. God is doing all sorts of stuff, using angels, all that kind of stuff. Now, do we worship angels? No. But God definitely has angels on assignment. And I wish I had the picture this morning, but about, about 10 years ago, or sorry, about, no, about 20 years ago, my mom or my sister and my dad were in the Czech Republic. And I think it was like Prague, and it was, uh, was wintertime, a sunny winter day. And there was all these steps coming down, rows of steps. And my sister was halfway up, and my dad said, hey, stay there. I'm going to take a picture. So she's standing there, 
or she's there, he stands back there. He goes, takes a picture of my sister. She's wearing her jacket, just standing there smiling. And there was no one around, nothing going on in the picture. Then all of a sudden, um, my dad, my dad gets, the, gets the film back. And in the picture, there's this person, fair skin, short hair, almost look like they're in a blue scrubs, like hospital outfit, staring directly at the picture, holding out her hands towards my sister like this, about 10 steps behind her, just smiling. Now, is that not an angel? I kind of, maybe, I think it kind of is. It's kind of crazy. Why would somebody be standing like that? Another time, I was um, at a camp, a kid's camp, and this story is really precious to me. I was that night, I was, it was at a horse camp, and I gave a devotional about how God protects us. And so I'm reading this devotional, and, and I read the psalm, a psalm about God's protection. And that night, I go to sleep, wake up the next day, and two of the kids run over to my bed and say, did you see it? Did you see it? I'm like, nope. Let's see what? There was, there was this, like, Two massive legs at the back, at the bottom of your bed. This two bottom, and they saw a torso of a person all the way up to here. And it, when the the top half of the person went up through the roof, and there was a big sword that they were holding. And then another kid who didn't see that had a dream that night of a big old angel walking through the forest with a sword like this. Now, I can tell you that there is so much more that we don't know. That God wants to show us. Why is it in North America we hear a story like that and we're like, eh, I don't know. And you go to Africa, you go throughout Asia, and they would go, oh yeah, that makes sense. There is so much more. I I just want to say this. If it doesn't fit in your brain, maybe there's more than what we think, right? Like maybe God wants to show us that there's more to what our brains can hold than just what we can think of. Am I making sense? I hope I'm making sense. (laughs) Archaeologists went down to that pool. It was kind of interesting. And they dug out and excavated the pool. You can see that pool today. And there is actually a faded fresco there, a painted painting of an angel. And so the story, all that happened there was something more. There There was something more that people expected to have happen. These people gathered around the pool hoping for a miracle. And every day, think about it, this guy, 38 years going to a pool. Day in, day out. Maybe today is my day for a miracle. It wasn't last week, but maybe, maybe today. And they would be led by a friend. They would hobble there by themselves, and they would sit next to the pool. And for 38 years, the water would be stirred, and this guy would miss it every time, and he would miss it again, and he would miss it again, and he kept going to the pool, hoping today, maybe today's my day. You guys, I think so many people are living in that space. Maybe, maybe today things will be better for me. Maybe today things will change, and there's this hope upon hope. Maybe, maybe something can happen. They're all staring at the pool, hoping that something would happen. And it, it just makes me think, maybe for you and me, like, hey, uh, you know, you've been going around in circles, you've been trying to do the right things, you're, you're, you're working really hard, and you're simply saying, well, maybe, maybe today is the day. 
And if you're in that place of waiting today for God's answer, let me read you some scripture that might encourage you. Psalms 40 verse 1 says that God hears our prayer. Isaiah 30 and 18, 30, 18 says that those who seek him are blessed. Lamentations 3.25 says that those who wait will experience his goodness. Psalms 25.3 says that those that wait will never be put to shame. Isaiah 40.31 says that those that wait shall renew their strength. Psalms 37.9 says that those that wait shall inherit the earth. Proverbs 20.22 says that those that wait shall be saved. Isaiah 25.9 says that those that wait shall rejoice in salvation. Isaiah 64.4 says that those that wait shall receive the glorious things prepared for God by them. James 1 said this. We said this in pre-service prayer. If any of you are going through troubles, consider it pure joy. Why? Because the testing of your faith develops a perseverance perfecting you, transforming you. There is something that happens in waiting that doesn't happen in the doing. The next verse goes on to say this. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives without showing partiality or fault, but to everyone that asks. But then it says this, but when he asks, let him ask in faith. Because the double-minded person can't expect to receive anything from God. Now, what does that mean? I think it looks a lot like this. Hey, God, I have this request. I have this need. I really need your help here. I need your wisdom here. God, talk to me. Okay, he didn't talk. I guess I got to come up with a plan. And so we ask God a question, but we don't give him space to respond. And then what happens is we come up with our plan, our design, our method of moving the ball forward, and then guess what? You do it your way, you get your results. You do it God's way, you get God's results. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, be satisfied, rejoice in salvation. They'll get what they're asking for. Those that do it their way get their results. I love, I love the story of Abraham because you don't know any story of a guy that waits for God like Abraham. Abraham cries out to God. God gives him a promise and said, Abraham, you're going to have a son and you're going to have all these descendants as far as, as this, more than the stars. It's going to be amazing. Abraham believes God and then he waits and 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 he waits. I think he waits like until he was like, how old was he? 90? Something like that. He's waiting. And then he does something that's a bit of a bonehead move. He's, his wife comes to him and says, you know, maybe God's not going to give us a son. You should have a son with um, my servant girl, Hagar. And, and so he does that thinking he needs to help God out to make the promise happen. Anybody done that? God gives you a promise and you're like, well, maybe I was supposed to do this, this, and this, and this. But guess what? When you do it your way, you get your results. And that's exactly what happened. And now today you have conflict in Israel between the sons of 
of Jacob or Israel and the sons of Ishmael. And those results have been going on for a millennia, time and time again. But those that wait on God get God's results. What I love about this is God kind of ignores the fact or sees, sees Abraham in a different light than his mistakes. In Romans 4, he says this, No unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And that is why his faith was counted as righteousness. Abraham was counted as righteous, you guys, because he believed God. He trusted God. He said, God, you said you would do something, so I'm trusting that you'll do it. Proverbs 13, 12, though, paints the other side of the picture, and this is really important. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. God promised Abraham a son, and he waited, and he waited, and he waited. He waited past the time of natural things, even being naturally possible for him to have a son. But why didn't Abraham's heart get sick? Because his longing was already fulfilled before he had the promise. This is a big deal, you guys. It's not about the thing that God promised you. It's not about the, the, the big plan for the dream of the idea, the, the, the plan to conquer the world or, or have the job or have the spouse or do the thing. All those things are things that God gives to us, right? He gives us dreams fulfilled. But the, the longing fulfilled comes way before any of that stuff. The longing fulfilled is Jesus. You can have the world and and be depressed, and I think we've seen that with celebrities forever. And you can have nothing and Christ and be satisfied. The thing, the thing that, pro- that God is promising you isn't the thing that is going to bring fulfillment to your heart. The thing that God has promised you or the thing that you desire is not the thing that will bring fulfillment to your heart. He is. Philippians 4.12 says this. Paul was saying this in prison. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether popular on Facebook or not, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Why? Because his heart was satisfied. And folks, that's the miracle. That our heart is actually satisfied in Jesus. So what do you do while you wait? I think one is we declare God's promises. We remember who he is, what he's done, where he's taking us. You know, think about Abraham. 
God takes him out of his tent late at night, shows him all these stars and says, your descendants are going to be more than the stars in the universe. Okay, that's great. I don't have a kid. But he trusted God. And if you look at what God's doing, every single one of us have put our faith and trust in Jesus are now a descendant of Abraham. And more are being added every day. Abraham is with the Lord right now and he is watching as God is continually fulfilling his promise to him. God keeps looking at his friend Abraham and saying, I promise you, I promised you. See, not all of God's promise is going to happen in a moment. It's going to happen at the right time and the right way. But God's results are better than our results. Sometimes a delayed response is way better than an instant response. Abraham went to his grave with only a few children. But now in eternity, his, his, his family line is massively expanding. The second thing we can do when we are waiting is to keep asking, to keep seeking, and to keep knocking. Matthew 7 says this, ask and, it'll be, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives. And he who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking it will be opened. It's not about asking God once something and just moving on. No, it's this heart posture of, God, I'm coming after you. And the thing, honestly, that we really want isn't just the answer to our prayer about our bills or relationships or whatever. The answer truly is we ask and we seek to know him because that's really where our promise is going to be fulfilled. That's where the longing is actually going to find its fulfillment in seeking and knowing and encountering him. So back to the pool. This man is sitting at the pool. He's been there 38 years. And Jesus walks to him, over to him, and asks him if he wants to be healed. I think it's really interesting, and I think this is really the point of the whole story. It's not about the pool. There was an angel that stirred the water. There was good things that have happened about the pool, but it's not about the pool. It's about the one who can do anything, any way that he wants any time that he wants, however he wants. And because an angel stirred water once and somebody got healed, all these people rallied around an event of something that happened. Maybe it happened multiple times. But now comes the author of life, the author of healing, walking into their world very, not impressively. And he walks over to the man and he says, do you want to be healed. Could it be that the most miraculous thing that God wants to do in your and my life is going to come in very unimpressively? And Jesus walks into his life and says, do you want to be healed? Now, you might think that's a weird question, but honestly, the, that's a really good point. Do you want to be healed? Do you want your life to change? Or have you found your identity in your circumstance and your struggle and how things are operating. Because he will transform things, but do you want him to? 
God will do what he can do, but he won't do what you are called to do. What Jesus wanted from that man was his yes. The sick man answered him. He said this, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I am going down another step, somebody beats me. It's not my fault. They did it. Someone else always gets to win. They're going to win the lotto, not me. I'm, I'm always second last. I'm never going to... Shush, do you want to be healed? Do you want what God has for you? Enough with the excuses. It's not about my limitations, my friends, or lack thereof. It's not about my past, my addictions, or my fears. Let's stop waving our banner and start waving a banner of him. Let's look past the pool. Let's look past ourselves. Let's look at Jesus. Jesus, the author of our faith, you are, and he says, you are not alone. Do you want to be well? Do you? Jesus said to him, take up your mat. Take up your bed and walk. The most obvious thing he could have said is, I can't walk. But that's exactly how God works. I can't do this. Now do it with me. God, I can't fix this situation. I can't overcome this addiction. I can't change my past. I have a promise from you that I have no way of knowing how to step into. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. You can't. But if he says something, then he promises to give the strength to make it happen. What is he saying to you and me? If he said it, he will do it. What is he saying? Hebrews 12, 13, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and make straight your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be out of joint but rather healed. It's time to get up. I don't have the words to say. I don't have the resources to make it happen. I don't know how I'm going to do whatever. Hey, it doesn't matter. It's not about you anyway. It's about him. And if he says it, he will provide. If he didn't say it and you do it, you get to provide. But he said what he says, that's where I want to spend my time and energy. And sometimes we're asking God for a question to an answer. We're asking God a question and we want an answer and he doesn't say anything. And you know what that means? Wait. Stop. It doesn't mean your idea is a bad idea, but it might mean it's not the right time. Those that wait on the Lord receive. Wait. Jesus said to his brothers, you're going up to the, up to the feast. And they, the brothers came to him and said, hey, you know what? You've had, this, you've had this healing ministry. All these people are following you. It's time for you to go up to the temple and reveal yourself. Show everybody who you are. Jesus looks at them and says, for you, the time is always right. But it's not yet my time. 
See, when we do things in relationship with God, other people could say, well, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. It's time, get the promotion and go order, do it. But God is simply saying, would you do it with me? Not for me, but with me. It's not about the pool. It's about the one who can do a miracle any way he wants. Stop looking at the pool. Another way of saying that is stop looking at how God has done things in the past and start looking at the one who can do it any way he wants. Man, isn't it so easy to get into our form and assume God's going to do something a certain way? But God's really good at breaking our formulas and saying, come and follow me. And what he's looking for is people who will simply say, I trust you when you speak. Just like Abraham. He trusted God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Do you trust him today? Do I trust him today? What is he saying? And sometimes he's not saying anything. But can I challenge you today? If you put your trust in Jesus... He's speaking to you. And I have found sometimes when I seek him for an answer about this, he talks to me about this. I'm asking God about what do you have for my life. I remember a while ago I was asking God, what do you want me to do with my life and different things? And the message I kept getting was, be humble. I'm like, God, this does not apply. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, it does. Because if, you, if I take you where you're supposed to go and you have pride in your heart, it's all going to fall apart anyway. So we got to deal with your pride in your heart, Jeremy, before we can go there. And so now I've written a book called um, Humility and How I Achieved It. And I'm going to be selling it on Amazon. I'm kidding. Uh, but can you see what I'm saying? We ask God a question. And sometimes he, he says, yeah, wrong conversation. I want to talk to you about this. What's the conversation God wants to have with you today? And are you open to that conversation? Are you okay with God not speaking to you or saying wait? Are you okay with his timing? One of my favorite speakers of all, this guy named Bob Zorge. Crazy story um, that I'll tell another time. But he says my, one of the most favorite things he ever said was, God takes a long time to do things suddenly. You could look in your life and you could look at the promises of God, the things that you want to see happen. You could have a struggle or a thing and we're like, man, I got to make this happen. And God's like, shh, those that wait upon the Lord shall receive. Those that wait for my timing and my voice, they're the ones that will receive. If it's your way, it's going to be your results. If it's his way, it'll be his results. Whose results do you want? I don't want mine because I don't want to do what Abraham did. The cool thing about Abraham is even though he didn't trust God completely in his timing, in Romans 4, it says that God saw him as a person who had unwavering faith. Here's this guy that honestly, if you read the story of Abraham, you see it checkered with all sorts of issues and lack of trust and everything. But from eternity's standpoint, God looks at Abraham and said, yeah, you got a few bumps up in here, but when I see from the beginning to the end, you kept looking at me. 
And this is God's desire for you and I, that we would say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are going to just stay right on you. Help. And I'm not going to move an inch until you speak. God's results are way better than our results. There's power when he speaks. Things change when he speaks. And there's an invitation from God today where he looks us directly in the eye and he says, don't look at the pool, look at me. Do you want to be well? If you need a place of healing in your heart, in your life today, I'm just gonna ask you just to lift a hand. Past, present, future, you need God to speak. Jesus, we want to be well. We're going to stop staring at the pool and stop looking at our limitations. We're going to look to the one that can do everything. Jesus Christ, who overcame death and hell and the grave, and you rose again from death, and you are coming back to bring us to be with you. And we pray right now, Spirit of the living God, that you would come. I pray right now that each one of us would get up out of the mat and the place that we are, and step into the freedom that you have for each one of us. Jesus, we trust you. Can we just say that together? Jesus, we trust you. We turn our eyes to you.